Welcome to Books in the Freezer, a podcast dedicated to the deliciously disturbing world of horror fiction. I'm your host, Stephanie, and today I am joined by author Joe Nesbo to talk about his latest novel, A Horror Story, The Night House. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Very excited to have you here. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about The Night House? Um, well, it's, it's a kind of story where it's uh, kind of difficult to tell anything without uh, spoiling the story. But um, um, I can tell you the sort of the setup of the story. It's um, two young guys standing on a, on a bridge. They're 14 years old. And he's um, our protagonist, Richard. He is throwing a miniature um, of uh, Luke Skywalker into the into the into the river and then they walk down to um, a phone booth um, and they are um, up to no good uh, they have stolen the luke skywalker uh, figure and now they are phoning um, what we in norwegian call tulle telefon that means it's a uh, um, they're, they're just picking a number and and pretending to be somebody else and they call the number and um, they say, hi, this is the devil, and your house is uh, about to be on fire, and you're going to die, and you're going to hell. Um, and then Richard uh, is leaving it up to his, uh, his friend to, uh, to give this message over the phone. And then he hears somebody else talking to this young boy, Tom, and Tom is going pale. And then the phone starts eating little Tom. Uh, first his ear, and then they, uh, Richard tries to help him out of the phone booth, but it's too late. Um, the phone has gotten hold of his fingers, his hand, and it's eating its way up his forearm, um, making crunching sounds as it eats the elbow, then the shoulder. And then Richard is just standing outside, and he isn't even looking in. He's just listening to his friend getting eaten by a phone in there. And uh, that's the start of the story. That was such a great opening yeah. to a story. Just this absolutely gruesome sight. And the way that it's described, just him getting eaten by this phone was so visceral. Uh, Richard is also a very interesting protagonist because he's very prickly he's a little unlikable but you know there's reasons for that you see that he's he's mm. gone through a lot in his life but i thought it was very interesting to read from his point of view and you're right it is tough to talk about things without giving much away but the the book is separated into sections mm. and i just was curious which section came to you first um it was the scene with a with the phone. Yeah. Uh, which sometimes, um, and it, I think it started off as a as an idea for a short story, and uh, 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 I, I'm mostly I have ideas of a plot or a character, but in this case, um, it was just uh, the meat eating telephone. That was like the title for his short story and that was the idea and uh, so I just imagine this you know being a kid myself and and following somebody and that you know being scared was going to happen and just hearing uh, grown-ups 
voice talking to you and you're scared already, you know, and uh, we're yeah. knocking at somebody's door and wondering who is going to open and not knowing what is going to happen. So that was the feeling. That was the uh, idea. And um, so the first part came uh, first and it was, um, and then I worked it from there and I was much like the reader will have to try to figure out, okay, so what's wrong about this boy? How, how come he is the way he is? How did he end up here? And why is he doing what he's doing? Yeah. And as a reader, that was a, a very fun journey to take. Thank you. That was, uh, that was, you know, it's, uh, you look at your friend's kids. I, I have a daughter myself and you, um, you look at your friend's kids and you say, okay, so why is my, my kids so well behaved? And they are not. <laughs> I see it with the other way around too. So I'm, I'm yeah. still wondering about you know what happened to my daughter. Nothing happened to her. She, she's, she's perfect. You know, uh, other kids. I'm, you know, your imagination starts working when you're trying to figure out. Okay, how come they got kids like that and I don't? Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, he was a, a very interesting character to to look into. So your books are normally pretty dark, but I would say not traditionally considered horror. Was there anything different about writing this, knowing that it was going to be a horror book? Um, it was, I, um, I mean, it's, 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 it's hard. At the time of writing, um, I'm, I'm probably not aware of what my influences are and what inspired it. But it's, um, on the other hand, it's... Um, it's quite simple, I guess. It's, uh, um, I mean, I've, I've been a big fan of Stephen King for, for many years, and obviously um, he's an influence. Um, some of the TV series, like uh, Stranger Things, I guess, it's uh, definitely in there. Um, the fact that this is set in a uh, maybe late 80s, something uh, like that, uh, shows that Stranger Things... Um, has had an influence, uh, but then it, you know the 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 characters they are um, they come from most of them from from real life. But I think also an influence that I I just realized now talking to you is is Mark Twain's Tom Sawyer. Um, oh yeah, definitely an influence. Yeah. What started your love for reading and writing? Was my, my my parents? My my mother was a librarian, so she would bring books to our home. Uh, my father he grew up in in Brooklyn, New York, so um, he would bring American literature to our house. Um, I mentioned Mark Twain um, and the Adventures of Huckleberry Finn and Tom Sawyer. That was uh, my father who brought them to the house. Also, Fanny's Mark Cooper. Um, so it was. Uh, for a kid, uh, it was quite brutal literature in a way. I mean, at least Dennis Moore Cooper is. And, and also, I insisted at an early age, according to him, I was six years old when I pointed to a book um, at, in his bookshelf uh, that was William Golding, Lord of the Flies, and insisted that, that he read that to me because I'd, I loved the cover, which was a pig's head on a stake. And I could read it just a little <laughs> bit. So I, I had realized that this was about some kids on a deserted island. 
Um, so I, um, and according to my father, my father, uh, just like me, he can't be trusted. And um, <laughs> but he, he has quoted me as saying after he had read the book uh, that, uh, okay, I think that is William Golding. He showed some, um, some talent, uh, but he didn't succeed um, with this novel, but um, was a bit slow, uh, but I'm sure he'll do better with his next novel. So you had notes for him as yeah. a as a six year old reader <laughs> on how he could. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Um, I know you've published quite a few books. Um, has anything changed in the way you feel before a book goes out into the world? Do you still feel nervous about the way people are going to receive it, or is it something that it is what it is now? Yeah, well, I think I'm, I'm probably getting more and more focused on the writing itself, the, the creative process, and uh, put less emphasis on uh, you know publishing the book and uh, and doing a promotion for the book. Uh, I I just spoke to a to a young 19 year old uh, boy who just had his first novel published uh, a couple of weeks ago, and he asked me, you know, do or do you have an advice? And I said, yes, it's, it's because this is a, this is a really, really good novel and it will get a, lots of publicity. And, and it did when it was published, it, uh, it was like really, um, really um, sensation. Uh, and I said, that is going to happen to you. And what you should do is start writing something before, uh, you know, the, that, that all that fame and all that uh, attention hits you. So make mm-hmm. sure that your head is in a story and that you're writing because what may happen is that you will get so caught up in the atten- uh, attention and you will believe the hype and soon you will have all this pressure on you because you you see yourself through the eyes of the audience. Try not mm-hmm. to do that. Try to, uh, try to just, you know... Um, enjoy your time in your own universe and understand that that is where you need to be that is where it's important that you spend time and so that is what i do i i'm always into a new project a new story uh whenever my book is published makes it mm-hmm. makes you less you know vulnerable i get to 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 bad reviews and yeah. um uh, and it's Less of a um, less chance that you get carried away by by two good reviews. Um, yeah. But you just concentrate on your next next story. Okay, and so you're currently working on another story now. I am yes. Or oh, actually, no. right now, that's since you're asking, um, I was asked to to write a, um, a, a script for a movie based on the Nighthouse. So actually, really? right now, I'm I'm working on what we're talking about. Oh, wow. That would be very interesting to see. I would be very excited about that. Do you think you'll write another horror novel? Um, I don't know. You know, it's, it's, it's like I, I started, I became a writer because I, I didn't wa- want anyone to tell me, you know, what to do. I, I, mm-hmm. I didn't want the boss. Um, and, I, and I don't want want homework and i i find that wherever i'm i'm sort of 
sharing my thoughts of what I'm doing next. I end up, you know, being asked, oh, did you say you were going to do this or do that? <laughs> and so I rather, you know, say that, well, it's, um, it's tempting. I, I, I might do that, but it's, mm-hmm. uh, and I don't even like to say it out loud to myself, you know, because yeah. I, I, I like waking up in the morning, really having no idea what I'm going to do next, apart from finishing, hopefully, uh, the story I'm working on right now. But what will be the next story? Oh, that I'll, I, I'll figure that out when I get there. I fully understand that. I feel like, yeah, as soon as you make even a tentative plan or say it out loud, I understand the like, I don't, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Yeah, <laughs> now that yeah. it's been said, now that it's out there. You have the feeling, uh, I mean, you have a few privileges as a, as a writer and biggest privilege is that, you know, you have this feeling that you're, you're like a child. You wake up in the morning and you, you're telling yourself that I can actually do whatever I like. I can write this novel, and if it doesn't turn out as good as I hope, I don't need to publish it. I'll do something mm-hmm. else. Yeah. How did that go um, as a musician, since that type of creative is like a collaborative process mm. with other people? True. So it's, um, it's um, more responsibility, um, especially in my band, since I, uh, I'm the only one uh, writing music and, and, and lyrics for the band. So they are kind of dependent on me to, to produce something. Uh, yeah. But it's, uh, it's, a, it's a little bit the same. I mean, they, they know me and they know that, you know, it take years uh, without me writing anything. And then uh, suddenly in, in 14 days, I'll write 10 songs um, and, and then we'll record an album. Might happen and might not happen. So, so it's, as long as we have an understanding that that's, that's how I function, uh, and they are okay with that. It uh, takes off the pressure. And you wrote your first novel while you were touring, right? I did, yeah. Or, or actually, it was I, I finished touring. I with uh, we had that um, uh, long year with the band and uh, touring too much, actually. So I was kind yeah. of burned out, and so I was going to Australia uh, just for. For a long break and uh, uh, a couple of weeks before I left uh, I was contacted by a girl I, I knew a little she worked for a publishing house and uh, she liked the band's lyrics so she asked me if I could write something um, you know uh, basically what she wanted was a story about the band traveling and I say I won't write that um, but maybe something else Maybe you'll get some fiction. Um, and so that was a chance for me to do something I, I probably would have done sooner or later anyway, which was to write a, a novel. But now I had, I had like a, uh, I'd made a promise and I, mm-hmm. also I had given myself a deadline that I would have to write a novel in five weeks um, in time, you know, when I got home so I could send them something. And I did. And at the time of writing, I, I was pretty sure it was just going to be a, you know, a test piece, um, a visiting card, and and then hopefully I would get in contact if they saw some talent there. Um, mm-hmm. They were I would write something else for them. Uh, but it turned out actually to be my my first novel, uh, The Bat. 
Very exciting. So when she was reaching out, was she looking for more like a nonfiction memoir type thing about touring? She was, she was oh. definitely. That's that's what she wanted. But I, I okay. told her that you know what what happens on the road stays on the road. <laughs> but uh, maybe I'll write something else for you. I was going to ask. I mean, you've been writing Harry Hole for like two and a half decades. What is it like to spend that much time with? one character like how has that character evolved over time what is that process like um he has he has evolved um a little bit like me i guess you know getting older getting softer getting more uh, sentimental romantic um and uh, both of us probably being kind of analytic and to a certain degree cynics i think that is you know that part of us is fading, <laughs> and, uh, and and the um, but he is um, you know, spending time with a with a guy who is so dark. You know, it's uh, it's it's kind of tiresome and 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 very intense. I mean, on the other hand, he is my my favorite character. I I keep returning to Harry, um, but he's the kind of friend you know after you have spent the weekend with him. You don't call him back on Monday, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, so, so I do need breaks from Harry, but he's my he's my main main guy. Nice. So this was considered a break for you, the night house, since it's a, a standalone. Yeah, then again, it's not like I write standalone novels or children's mm-hmm. books or or short stories uh, because I need a break from what I'm really doing uh, when I'm writing these stories. That's what I'm doing, and I'm really mm-hmm. doing it. And it's uh, uh, the reason why I'm doing it is because I have this story to tell. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm driven by my story. Uh, I told you that I, I became a writer because I didn't want a boss. Well, I got a new boss, and that's the story. The boss yeah. is always the story. The story is always the boss. Um, I did have a question from, I said, our a listener of the podcast, Annette, who is in Norway, she said, is there anything relating to Norwegian culture or history that inspired you when writing horror? Oh, definitely. Um, I think that um, my third novel in the Harry Hole series, for example, um, called The Red Breast, is about, um, um, you know, the aftermath of uh, Norway being occupied by Germany. from 1940 to 45 during World War II, and the Norwegians who joined the Germans to fight um, to fight the Russians, uh, and you know, feeling that they were protecting their country against the uh, the greater evil, um, mm-hmm. communism and, and 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 Stalin, and in that respect, being a, being you know, uh, idealists. Um, of course, there were all kinds of motives for Norwegians uh, joining the Germans. So it's a story about, um, you know, um, a time in Norwegian history that is very important for the way we, as Norwegians and a young nation, see ourselves. Um, there's by now probably been made at least one movie about every Norwegian war hero and every, you know, sabotage operation against the Germans during World War II. wasn't that much that happened in Norway in those five years. Uh, but everything has been really covered. So you, 
Um, when you grow up uh, after World War II, you have the feeling that Norway was, you know, sidelined uh, in a few days after the World War II broke out. They were sort of the, the heroes who turned things around during World War II. We were not. Uh, and and I, I kind of address both what happened during World War II and our, also our, you know, the way we we painted a nice picture. Norway is, of course, not the only country did that were during after World War II. I mean, just look at well, France, for example, um, same thing. Wow, I didn't know that. I'm going to have to check out that book. You said it was the third one? Third one, The Red Breast. Okay. All right, adding that to my list. Um, so the concept for the name of the show books in the freezer is based off of a joke from the show friends where a book is so scary that it gets put in the freezer and i was wondering if there was any books for you that you would consider freezer worthy that kept you up at night mm, um well you know uh, like i mentioned tom sawyer uh, definitely kept me up that night i was a a kid i was more scared by tom sawyer than by lord of the flies um, really, I, I I was I didn't I guess I just uh, you know for me Lord of the Flies was just a bunch of kids you know fighting and I was that was what my life and my you know that's what I did do you know uh, we didn't kill each other but then torture each other but it was it was quite rough um, and um, I was I was always scared by the supernatural. Um, and uh, I was actually, as a kid, I was easily scared. Um, it was um, when we were when we were on summer holidays and in the attic, uh, all the kids gathering uh, to tell ghost stories. And I was the youngest kid there. But still, they turned to me and said, "Joe, why don't you tell a ghost story?" And I was so proud. And for many years, I thought it was because they thought I was a great storyteller. It was only later that they told me that, you know, we wanted you to tell the stories because we could we could hear the fear in your voice as you told the stories. Oh. Meaning at least I was I was really into it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, you know, I, I I would have nightmares about ghost stories that I had come up with myself. Um but um late in life I I, I remember a book that I found hard to read was uh, American Psycho, uh, Bret Easton Ellis. Mm-hmm. I, I felt kind of, I mean, it's, it was disturbing because it was so good and so ugly. And it was, a, yeah. it was like I, I, I felt like my body and mind was polluted when I, when I went to bed. You know, I, I actually felt bad, bad just, just reading it. Um, bad about myself, I mean. Um, and I was a friend of mine uh, who, who said something I think is very true about American Psycho, so that what is disturbing, what, what really gets to you is, uh, is not, not the hatred uh, or the love uh, or, or, or the evil. It's the emptiness. It's mm-hmm. the um uh, it's the lack of feeling you know yeah. it's, it's 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 just nothing <laughs> yeah. and that is and i think that is so true there's a there's a sort of a darkness there there's a um yeah in uh patrick bateman 
like like nobody. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's nobody. It, it doesn't really have a personality. No. It's just um, a, a result of you know um, society, culture, and the city he's living in. I did want to pivot away from books and ask you about your climbing, uh, which is something you started at 50. What inspired you to take that on? It probably was uh, my, my, my fear of heights. Um, I, really? had that since, uh, I had that since I was a kid. It, were, it wasn't yeah. like I would, you know, uh, black out or anything like that. Uh, but uh, I was, um, I could tell at a young age that I would, I would be, I was a quite, you know, courageous kid. But when it came to heights, when it came to climbing in trees, I was a, um, what's the word, sissy? Yeah. That yeah. I was, you know, I, I, I was just, when I got above three meters, it was just scary. But anyway, yeah. it's, uh, I got easily scared, but I didn't really mind being scared. I, uh, so I started climbing because I wanted to see if I could, you know, master that or conquer that feeling in a way, uh, you know, control mm-hmm. my emotions. Um, and it was, uh, and to me, rock climbing was a perfect way to, to be really scared. But not being really in danger. It's not like I would. I would probably wouldn't die. You could. I could injure myself, and if I was really stupid and and uh, mm-hmm. not careful, I, you, you can die, of course. But it's. But it was still that, um, which is a big thrill for me. And so I, I was totally hooked. I started late in life at the age of fifty, and um, since I, I've done sports since I was a young kid, um, especially football. Um, I. You know, and I got injured, uh, so I didn't have a couldn't play football um, at the level I played up to the age of twenty. So I had to find something else, and it took me many years to find another sport that I loved that much, and that's uh, that's rock climbing. Wow! And you said you're planning on doing some rock climbing. Where oh, actually, you, you're talking to me now. I'm a, uh, I'm in Greece in a place called mm-hmm. Telemus, and I'm here for rock climbing. I'm here for six weeks. And I bought an apartment here, um, and it's you know twenty minutes walk um, from the mountains and from uh, from the climbing walls. So I'm going there more or less every day to to climb. Oh wow! Yeah, I mean I have a fear of heights, and I I cannot imagine taking on rock climbing as a hobby. I would I, I would highly recommend it, um, especially because you are uh, you know have this fear of heights. Uh, I'd say that the physical Part of it, that's the that's the meal, but uh, the meal needs needs spice and fear of heights. That's the spice, and the uh, the more afraid you are, the stronger and better the spice is. Okay, I like that. Maybe I'll go to a rock climbing gym or something and give it a try. <laughs> that's a good start. Um, well, we have a tradition on the show to ask our guests for a chilling obsession or something scary or spooky they've been enjoying lately can be a movie show book um so is there anything you've been enjoying recently uh something scary that i've enjoyed recently um well since we're talking about climbing i would recommend um i mean most people by now have seen um free solo with Mm -hmm. uh, uh, alex honnell who climbs without a rope 
um, you know, yeah. uh, straight up for almost thousand meters. And it's just for any climber that is like, just, you would think that, okay, so you're a climber, so it's probably not as, uh, as scary to you. You can see what is doing that. And that is, is safe really is in control, <laughs> which is, it's totally the opposite. I think that if you're a climber, your, your hands start sweating and you can't believe that he's doing what he's doing, you know, because it's just crazy. Um, but there's another movie called uh, that, uh, uh, the way I, I think is an even better movie. Um, and it's uh, The Alpinist. Um, it's about another climber. And uh, I'm not going to uh, spoil it for anyone okay. and, and, and tell you what is going to happen. But it's, uh, it's you know, a uh, real, real life and real death uh, experience uh, there and then. And it has just some, some beautiful, uh, bizarre scenes, uh, both in the wall and uh, on the ground. Oh, wow. Okay. I'll have to check that out. I did watch Free Solo and I can tell you, yeah, as someone that doesn't climb, I was horrified. <laughs> uh, so it's interesting to hear the perspective from someone who is more familiar with what he's doing and is in that world and that it's still, it's still horrifying and scary and makes your palms sweat. Yes. And then for our final tradition, we like to ask our guests for a final girl songs based off the final girl trope last one standing in a horror movie what song would you want to be played well um for me it would be perfect skin by lloyd cole and the commotions okay and like what is happening in the movie what what is that song like um I don't know, really. It's just Lloyd Cole. It, it, it has a lot of uh, uh, lyrics. And uh, mm -hmm. I just love the song because it has this hectic atmosphere. And it's, it's like his, Lloyd Cole is at the end of his life and he has so much to tell you. That mm -hmm. um, musically, the lines of the lyrics are too long. And <laughs> it makes for this, you know fast-paced song with yeah. so many words and it just has this uh, a nervous hectic uh, very nice energetic feeling and you okay you just want to get up and dance okay perfect i will be adding that to the playlist and giving it a listen thank you so much for taking time out of your day to talk to me about the night house and writing and climbing thank you for having me books in the freezer is a bi-weekly podcast we post episodes every other tuesday you can find us on twitter at books freezer pod and on instagram threads blue sky and tiktok as books in the freezer you can send us an email at books in the freezer at gmail.com Show notes for this episode and all previous episodes are at booksinthefraser.com where you will find links to all of the books mentioned in this episode, as well as links to merch, our Patreon affiliate links, and several other ways to support the show. I'm Stephanie and you can find me on Instagram at that's what she read and that is that's with two A's. And see you next time on Books in the Freezer. Books in the Freezer.